here we are again with another Scratchy Internet Connection for Tuesday Night Live. I'll throw over to our host, Peter Jay. Thanks very much, Phoenix, and welcome again, everybody, to another edition of the Tuesday Night Live version of the Big Footy Crowcast. Uh, hope everyone's well tonight after the uh, the mauling that we got on uh, Friday evening. I think hopefully we've all recovered by now. Joining us this evening, of course, we've got uh, Macca23, who uh, decided that he liked it last uh, Tuesday night and did Sunday night as well. And uh, good to have him along again, Macca. How are you tonight? I'm very well, thanks. And uh, a mauling is a very good description of it. The scoreboard doesn't show that, but we were. We were, we were really thrashed. We were mauled. And Phoenix, how are you this evening? Mate, I'm good. I'm uh, here. <laughs> That's about the best way to describe it. I'm here. Good stuff. All right. Well, shall we? Uh, shall we crack on and, and have a uh, have a bit of a? I know you did a wrap on Sunday night, but uh, was there anything that's become sort of clearer since you did your wrap on Sunday night? I know from my perspective, I was at the game, and I, I just thought that we should have been belted by about twelve goals. And uh, but you know, fortunately, we we were still in it in the last quarter, and we had uh, an opportunity, of course. And I mean, we've all talked about it, no doubt. And that's the uh, the go ahead goal that we had the opportunity of kicking through seed, and he, and, uh, he managed to fluff that. And uh, it just uh, it was just lights out and extinguished from there. So I think I said through the week, it, it's an interesting where you have moments in, in big games, and they just come along. And we've had three moments in three big games, and uh, I thought obviously the Brodie Smith turnover against Hawthorne. Then we had the uh, the uh, McGovern and Douglas misses in the first quarter against the Bulldogs, and of course. Seed on Friday night, and all three occasions led to three and four goal runs by good good teams, and so that's what can happen to you. Yeah, yeah it's well, interesting. Go on, Maka. No, all I have to say is that uh, when you play up at that level against very, very good teams, you're not going to get a million chances. You only get a certain number, and you've got to maximise those. And, and as you just uh, quietly described, Peter, uh, We've blown it. Actually, we've had the chances to do something and, and probably put ourselves in a position to win the game. Yeah, very uh, disappointing indeed. But with that said, uh, there was um, a lot of opportunities blown by Geelong and they probably would have been pretty disappointed that we are even anywhere near close in that last quarter. Interesting watching the TV last night. They showed a graphic of their, uh, their zone as it moved across the ground and just how um, athletic that they were, and in particular, uh, Blitzarves. And certainly helps a, uh, a nationally renowned athlete uh, on, your, on your team that can run and cover cover the line like he can. He was he was basically covering line to lot, boundary to boundary. Uh, it was incredible to watch the zone move. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I didn't see it personally, um, but it doesn't surprise me. He didn't get a huge amount of stacks, uh, Blitzarves. But he was clearly there to um, initiate clogging up space uh, during the transition, and uh, their ability actually to um, uh, block our outlet all night was pivotal for them. Uh, it stopped us rebounding. Yeah, that's hundred percent right. I, I'm in where I said I've got an elevated position, and uh, you could actually see you see the zone just working across, and, and I kept looking, thinking, how the hell are we going to get through there? Well, we needed to run the ball, Macca, didn't we? It's, uh, you know, lots of blind kicking wasn't going to get us anywhere, um, particularly when they were outnumbering us at the fall of the ball on the way out. So we needed to actually uh, take a few risks. And that's probably the thing I've noticed over the last few weeks, that we've stopped taking risks as we're coming out of defence uh, um, and we've been belted accordingly. Like you said, Peter, we should have got done by 10 goals. And if it had been at the category, it probably would have been a 10-goal thumping. 
What 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 that um, uh, graphic I was talking about before showed, which was really really interesting, is it it showed the the zone. Uh, we had the ball at half back, and we were we were going down the the, the western side. And so the zone had come across, and and Blitzars worked across to the edge of the zone near the boundary. What we then do, seeing that all the space is clogged up by the zone, we we actually switch. So we we go across the um, the defensive end of the of the uh, centre square. So we switch at that half back level. See us switch the ball, and as the ball switching, you see the zone moving across. Then lo and, lo and behind, and so what that does obviously is, you know, as anyone playing against zones knows, you're just trying to drag the zone out of position. You're trying to create, um, as they referred to it last night, it's almost like a free laneway at the edge on the edge of the ground, which is where you want your lead up forward, like your, you know, your Lynch, generally speaking, will lead up. Yeah. But um, what happened is that Blitzarves, who, who was on the boundary line on the western side, actually then bolted and got himself ahead of the of the ball movement and ahead of the zone, and actually covered the eastern side outlet. It was unbelievable, and, and you know um, to have a, a really an incredible power athlete do that, and a big guy as well. Um, there's no stat for that, but that's an that's amazing, and it, it it blocked our uh, it blocked our outlet on the eastern side, and so then we were forced to go back again, and we end up coughing up the ball. And the and question, that, I guess, needs to be asked then: What was Blitzars Man's doing? I mean, if if Blitzars is doing 150 meter sprints from one side to the other, then if our bloke can't keep up with that, which obviously he wouldn't be able to, because Blitzars is a bit of an elite athlete, surely he should be. Um, trying to be a little bit more creative rather than just sort of struggling behind. Well, you know, the, the one of the problems with that, of course, is that the, the way the midfielders were allocated, we had uh, Douglas looking after Sirwood, and uh, we had our, our one and only real winner looking after Dangerfield, and that, and that left the Crouch brothers to try and do that, and they, they couldn't keep up with him. They couldn't keep up with him on one leg at the moment. I don't think <laughs> they're not. It was, it was interesting also too. It was interesting that we, you know, statistically, when we're looking at you know things like um, you know our centre breaks and, and clearances and contested ball, we weren't smashed too badly in the in those areas as we, as we had been, and, and yet the game was like last week where the the midfielders just could not get hold of the ball and their disposal statistics were just dreadful. Yeah, it's interesting. Vardy Magic on the chat makes a point. You know, we're critical of the of the boys going safe down the line, but uh, when we did try to cut inside, we turned it over. Uh, you mentioned Charlie Cameron did it twice. That's true. Um, Geelong did very well at cutting off our diagonal pass into the corridor. The issue that I have with that is that it doesn't need to be a kick. And I think if you look back at the Port and Richmond games earlier in the season, we were handballing through half back. And we weren't really putting it on the boot until we were almost, you know, um, centre circle level and then, you know, pinging it into the forward 50. Whereas now we, we that kick is coming from, you know, behind the defensive 50 arc, which means that we're really not doing anything more than creating an opportunity for a turnover across the middle, which then ca- catches everyone out of position. So, yes, we did turn it over coming out of defence by foot. Uh, my criticism, I guess, is that we didn't we didn't run hard enough uh, and create handball opportunities to cut through the zone and create a bit of overlap. Nobody could argue with what you said there, but I would agree with the call on one thing: is that um, those areas that he's talking about going through the midfield, it, it was really that 
And what you're, what you're saying is quite right too, Phoenix, but it's a question of when. You can't always do that. And the, the moments that we chose to do it were definitely the wrong moments. And that's when we turned it over and they went bango straight back and got a goal. And it looked absolutely bloody amateurish. So there are times when you can do it and there are times when you can't. Also notice that a lot of the time when we did turn it over, we were actually trying to hit up a stationary target. And I don't know about you, Macca, but when I've played footy, um, the only time you should be in the space where you want the ball to be is the moment the ball gets there. Um, and too many times we're trying to hit up a stationary target, um, you know, and we'd pop it up. You have to be 100% accurate under high pressure to do that, whereas if you're hitting a moving target, you've got a little bit more room for, uh, room for error, um, which is half the reason why we'd pop it over the top or we'd, you know, kick it at their ankles or whatever because they weren't actually moving to position. They were just in space, uh, but stationary. And that, is, that, and that actually is true. That was a major, major problem because, as you said, if you're not 100% accurate, even if you're only probably one foot or two foot either side, they've got the people from behind have got the opportunity to spoil. And But we did even a little bit worse than that. We actually hit them on the chest rather than our players. Yeah. And a note, a message coming in from Relapse, and absolutely spot on, are we missing Rory Laird? Well, we absolutely are. And, you know, he was an All-Australian squad member last last year and was in terrific form again this year. And, you know, you, you miss quality players like that, no question at all. And his, um, not just his run out of defence, but also his uh, his capacity for defensive action as well. Uh, such a uh, Such a quality player and so important to us. Yeah, I think we're learning how, how important he is. I mean, not only the ability to cover a man, but also to um, his awareness and his ability to, to read when to leave his player and, and make an extra um, uh, a person at the contest and also to sit in the hole um, is invaluable. And, and, I mean, Henderson doesn't give any of that. Henderson seagulls out the back for an easy handball and then just a lazy 40-metre kick to the opposition. You know, I mean, the the difference between Anderson and Leader's chalk and cheese, and why anyone on selection committee thought that he'd be an appropriate replacement is beyond me. Yeah, I was going to make that particular point. Relapse is one hundred percent right. You know, the, about the fact how much we're missing Lead, and your point is one hundred percent right that the guy that they've got uh, taking his place is not worth his shadow. Um, Laird will sit there and have the thundering herd come down and he'll still go for the mark and uh, and perhaps even take it under the greatest of pressure. Henderson won't be there. He'll just take short strides to make sure he's not there. Uh, you know, I called him a soft cock the other night and I stand by that. He's got He's got a lot of skills, but he hasn't got a lot of courage and he is not hard. He also takes too long. And hi, guys, um, to welcome, get rid Nikki. of the ball. Yeah, welcome, Nicky. A lot of the time that the turnovers occurred was because we kicked it to Hendo and he stood there and went, um, 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 yeah, I, agree with I that. might kick it now to where there's all those Cats players. And in that last quarter, when um, Smith finally actually managed to get a, a bit of run out of defence and there was an option of Hendo, or I think it was Miller was next to him and Miller was a little, little bit more covered, but he went to Miller instead of Hendo because he knew that Hendo was going to hold it up. Yeah, he's not a dynamic player. He, he just needs to be up the ground if we're going to play him at all. And personally, I wouldn't bother. I, I'd rather see uh, some new blood there like a Harry Wig or... I mean, I know you mentioned VB. Um, I just think we've got to move forward, Nicky. And I understand where you're coming oh, from, with, from totally. with VB. I, I just think, we realistically, we're in a very outside shot at 
Premiership this year. And I'd rather pump 10 or 15 games into a Harry Wig, or even four or five, just to give him a taste. We've got to start giving these young blokes a taste. I um, think Kelly I think Kelly would have been the obvious one in. Quite but possibly. He broke, but he broke his hand. Yeah. Yeah, but not, not Henderson. Henderson shouldn't even be on our bloody list. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a Kelly fan, actually. I like Kelly, um, and it is unfortunate he wasn't available because one thing Kelly is, is he is tough. I mean, he's got to learn a little bit more about running and all the rest of it, but he is tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, we seem to have a uh, a, a cupboard full of defenders that, uh, and we seem to have a lot of depth in that area, and then just at the time Laird goes down, you know, we've got Shaw out with concussion, unfortunately, and let's hope that uh, he's, uh, he, he's recovering okay. Uh, and then Kelly goes out and Otten's suspended and, and he's injured and all of a sudden, you know, and the depth that we had disappeared. Yeah, uh, in that particular position is quite uncanny really. But uh, it doesn't just, it doesn't excuse the insipid performance by midfielders and it'll be very interesting. I'm extremely interested to see what Selection Committee does this week against a very depleted Gold Coast. If ever there was an opportunity to experiment Give give a kid a run, um, do something. Uh, today or this week is the week, and if we just go in unchanged or force changes only, I'll be very disappointed. Buddy Magic uh, mentions Hampton, and uh, yeah, if only he was fit, he'd be a good fit down back. I'd love to see Hampton play because he is a man with skills and pace, and uh, and he isn't. He's also not frightened to go for the ball. You know. I thought he was going to make a big, big difference to our back line, but unfortunately, uh, as, as fate would have it, he's not available. So we've got to make the best of what we can do. I think he will make a difference when he comes in. He does, he's shown that he can blanket a player. He, when he uh, played against Eddie Betts, he did quite well. Uh, he gives our defensive half some uh, some pace. I mean, you know, Brody Smith has, has got a bit of pace and, and Seedsman's all right, but Hampton's got that little bit of zip about him. And that elusiveness that I think we lack down back, yeah, I think you'll find that he'll he'll provide a bit more run and carry, whereas Brody and and Seed certainly um, provide you know meters gained by foot. I think Kirtley might run and carry the ball a little bit more out of that back half. Just one thing about you mentioning about Brody and Seed. Oh, I was really really dark on our coach. He should have done it. You can see that Seed was struggling. You can see that Brody was struggling. And they they are interchangeable players, and they should have been interchanged very very quickly, you know, and maybe get Brody into the game attacking. But uh, he just left them there, and they just rotted. Yeah, I, I made a comment in that that regard as well today, Macker, and said the same thing that really there was a you know there was a coaching responsibility there where you know when you've got one of your top line players, and, and Smithy is a top line player, and he's just got a tag sitting on him, um, and it's just not not working for him, then you know. You, Really, to me, it's incumbent upon the coach to actually just try and change something up. Now, I don't care whether that means... I think it was Gregson was on him. Um, you know, I don't care. You take him to the goal square. You know, an old-fashioned ploy like that. Do, do something. Don't just let it, you know, roll along like that because, you know, we don't have a whole lot of elite players. And so when one of your top, you know, seven or eight elite players is just getting shut out of the game like that, then you've just got to try something. That said, though, Pete, and I, I agree with you, and I agree with Macker as well, our, our, we were out-coached and he didn't seem to be terribly dynamic in the coaching box um, last weekend. 
Corey Gregson is a is a Brody Smith should take Corey Gregson to the cleaners. Not to say that Corey Gregson's not a good player, but he's a very young player. Um, you know, he's only a handful of games out of Sacred Heart College. He's not the type of player that you would expect to beat Brody Smith. And for Brody to allow himself to be essentially blanketed out of the game um, by by that calibre of player, I think is really disappointing. And and the people that call for Brody to go through the middle, I I, I don't know whether Brody's up to it. To be honest, to go through the middle, I think his spots on halfback as a rebounding defender. Well, he could certainly play wing. Yeah, he did that last year quite nicely. So wing, yes, through the actual centre rotations, I agree with you, no. But wing, I think he can play. Oh, I think that's a fair comment, Fina. I think that obviously players have got to take responsibility for themselves and and um, and their actions and, and get themselves into the game as well. So no doubt that, that Smith's got to take some responsibility there. And uh, he had a shocker. Yeah, and yet the funny thing is, is that we're looking at sort of saying, well, you know, what moves could be made and, and um, in terms of coach. And yet there we were, what, five or ten minutes into the last quarter, we're only three points down and, or two points down and we, should, we've, and we had a shot to go ahead. So I guess from Pike's point of view, um, you're probably thinking, well, you know, we're actually in the game here. And it was really only in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes that they got away with, with four goals when, uh, when, when Seed committed that sin. Yeah, although, I mean, I think Blind and Freddie could have seen that all they needed to do was get the kicking boots on and we were dead in the water. And I think it would have been disappointing for Pikey to be just looking at the scoreboard going, we're still in it, um, because clearly we may have been in it on the scoreboard due to uh, um, uh, their poor kicking, but in every other facet of the game we were getting hammered. Um you know, and it's interesting because Seed kicks that goal, Peter, and um, they're the sort of thing, momentum changes that make a team that's been on top all night drop their heads and go, God, we've flogged this team and we've just gone down by five points, you know. Um, oh, and they're, mate, honestly, they're the games we never win and we need to start jagging a couple of those. If you'd have been there, I mean, Macca was there on Friday night. Were you there, Nikki? Yeah. I mean, the crowd just didn't quite... Get into the game. It, it, you know, all night we. I think we only ever got one or two goals um, in a row, and so it was like all night that the crowd was just looking for a reason to really erupt and get themselves into the game. And um, I just felt that uh, that goal uh, not only does it, you know, get us sort of rolling, but just would have really. I, I it just felt like the crowd was ready. You know, the dam was ready to burst, and you could just feel the air go out of the ball when when he missed that shot. And then, yeah. and then they and then they go straight down and uh, and Enright kicks a, a long fifty metre goal. Well, we had been the crowd had been building on the outer wing where I was, like leading up to that because we were starting to get that run on. And you could kind of really feel something. And there was a guy behind us who was was really kind of um, like getting in the Adelaide chant going and things like this. But yeah, I agree. It was like that miss after the great mark that he took. It was just like what the hell. And then you'll watch it on the screen and all you can see is Pikey just go, wow. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what he said. And Relapse is exactly right on the chat. The head, there was a head drop after that miss. Yeah. We were done. We were done by then. That was our only shot and we knew it, I think. And the, the point about the crowd is 100% right, though, because uh, it was, where I was, it was very, very quiet compared to normal. I mean, I could actually hear some of the swearing going on. It wasn't me this time. Um, I mean, there was... <laughs> 
but there was plenty going on in uh, in terms of frustration. But there wasn't as much cheering as possible uh, as there normally is because I think uh, you know people aren't stupid; they can see that we were really lucky to be where we were. But if we hit the front, I think that might have created a totally uh, different environment. Yeah, I did. I do agree with that. It would have. Everyone would have had a collective. Bloody hell! I think we can we can pull this out of the fire, you know, and that would have been that would have been it for the last five minutes. Is this a uh, is this a reasonable segue for the cockwombling numnut of the week <laughs> award, in which I've actually nominated Seed? You did nominate Seed, but he didn't kind of make the four that hit the poll um, that we had. So, who cares about the bloody poll? <laughs> Well, there were some 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 fair nominations some, that he was up against. So you've got the the Triple M marketing department for the piece of stupidity at the airport. Yeah. You've got Charlie Dixon for being Charlie Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Kane Corns for being Kane Corns. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a big one. And then Kane Mitchell for that pathetic attempt of a sledge he did against Petrenko. Which was, did you hear about that? No. So Port Adelaide Reserves playing Wolver West Torrens, getting beaten. He turns to Sledge Petrenko, telling him or basically asking him, are you going to enjoy your nine to five job on Monday? So Petrenko took a picture of himself smiling in his work gear, obviously on the way to work, put it up, tagged in Kane Mitchell and said, I'm enjoying my nine to five. I think wow. Kane Mitchell, he's kind of possibly going to have to look for a nine to five job next year. <laughs> I reckon. Is. I reckon uh, Pup's probably getting paid more than Mitchell at the moment, anyway. <laughs> possibly. Hey, look, I'd like to. I'd like to nominate Greg Swan. Uh, what's he done now? Well, Greg Swan has come out this week, and there's been a lot of talk about the um, the Brisbane Lions situation, and he's come out saying that they're not averse to approaching the AFL at the end of the season about uh, some sort of ret- retention um, strategy or bonus system for the Brisbane Lions to help them retain players. And it was very interesting that a few people have picked up on this, that it was Greg Swan uh, under the... Uh, under the guidance of Eddie Maguire at Collingwood, who fought tooth and nail for the Brisbane Lions to lose their attention bonus back when the Brisbane Lions happened to have a good squad together. And it was just the most blatant piece of hypocrisy you could ever hope to witness by one bloke to say, oh, you know, it's so hard to, to retain players up in Brisbane. It's an on-football state and yada, yada, yada. And everyone's saying, well... Hello, don't don't you think that's the very reason why the Brisbane Lions were trying to keep their retention bonus in the first place? You know, the retention bonus that you fought tooth and nail along with your president to get rid of? You know, Collingwood and Greg Swan are probably the direct reason why Greg Swan and Brisbane are now in this position. It, it just struck me as the ultimate hypocrisy. So basically he should have the Luke Beveridge Award? Whatever that is, yeah. The hypocrite of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, hypocrite of the week, plus waker of the week. He can have that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's you, you're right. That is uh, ultimate hypocrisy there. And it's kind of funny that how insular the Victorian teams are and don't realise how hard it is for those 
teams in the non-footballing states. I mean, I'm I'm still about GWS that I'm okay with them having academies. I'm just not okay with them having academies in areas that are traditionally strong in football and they're not having really any connection with those particular players. Um, so I kind of agree with a lot of the Victorian teams that are making the noise about it that, yes, some of that is unacceptable. But yeah, it's going to be interesting who's going to get it this week. So we, we had nine votes for Triple M for that stupidity because they and they obviously didn't tell the on-air AFL media personalities because they're all going, who did this shit? So I'm kind of I'm edging towards them because I, I figure Kane Corns is going to get a lot of nominations and possibly Charlie Dixon is as well. Although that was delightful to watch the aftermath of his celebration. I'd be happy for Kane Corns to get it just because he's Kane Corns. <laughs> you know, I always thought it would be Chad that would take most after his dad. But the more I listen to Kane, the more I think he's a complete chip off the old block. Yeah, he very he doesn't like getting questioned. A couple of times I've gone to 5AA and there's conversations going on. There was the whole thing of leading into Dangerfield like the Friday night before the game and people, they'll ring up and, what is that, having to say what they thought the headline was going to be tomorrow. And a guy rang up and he said, well, you look, that Buddy left Hawthorne and they were fine and, you know, they, they had a couple of those examples of these big stars leaving but the team's still going on quite nicely. And Kane immediately have to come in and say, but Buddy didn't play for Adelaide, so you can't bring him in. It's like, oh, God, sorry, honey. How dumb are you? Really? Well, he's dumb. He's a corns. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they're they're dumb the, when they're in the, the media. With all of that, I think that I'd have to, if, it was, if I was casting a vote, I'd have to go on Kay Mitchell. I reckon that when you're in the position that he's in at the moment, to be tweeting rubbish like that to, a, um, to an SA. Just garbage, you know, really, really garbage. Oh, he didn't tweet it. He said it on the ground to Petrenko during the match oh, when they were getting, be- when well, they were getting which, beaten. Whichever way it is, you know, it's just a, it's a suck of yeah. a thing to say. It's and just he, stupid. And he's still got his ponytail? Yeah. He deserves it. <laughs> I've got a ponytail. I don't deserve that. Yeah, but you're not a footballer. <laughs> I'm a footballer and I've got a ponytail. Well, them's fighting words, Mackie. You can't call Nicky not a footballer. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm scared for this week. Rightio, so we need to give this award. We need yep. to give this award, guys. Who are we giving it to? Mitchell. Yeah, I reckon Mitchell. That When you're playing in the lower levels and if you're going to sledge, don't do it when you're getting beaten. <laughs> Seriously. That just makes you even more of a cock-wombling num-num. num I haven't got the music together yet, but... Hopefully soon. All right. Kane Mitchell it is. Um, guys, how do we – we've got this uh, game coming up um, on Saturday afternoon. It's our uh, chance to atone, I guess, against uh, – I, I, I feel really, really sorry for the Gold Coast Suns. I just reckon they've been terribly – after a promising start, they've been really, really unlucky. And, and, you know, you've got to feel for any club that's got the most ridiculous amount of injuries that they've got. They'll be fielding almost a, uh, a kneeful – team on Saturday and so I just, um, yeah, it'll be a case by how much but what are we looking to get out of this game? 
Pichetti. Douglas dropped. I'd like to see Douglas dropped. Well, in the game does give us an opportunity uh, to try uh, different people out. I mean, and I don't mean a whole uh, uh, revolutionary side, but um, uh, Phoenix was talking, you know, about Harry being given the game. Uh, I don't know. But maybe this is a game you would you would try him. Um, he gives an opportunity to make to. I'm liking Relapse's suggestion. Hugh Greenwood. He's done very well. Oh, he's very nice. We'd have he's... to elevate him, though, wouldn't he? Wouldn't no, we? no, because it's not halfway through the season. You don't have you can play a rookie without elevating them. Ah, okay. Up to halfway through, I, well, that's what the rule was. Is that still? I thought that was still in play. I don't know. I've never heard of that. That you you could still play a rookie without having to elevate them. I think it was up to a certain point in the season. And then after, it was like after the halfway point or or whatever that they then had to be elevated. We, have a, we do have a space on the list and I'm pretty damn sure that Greenwood's going to, um, he'll be, he'll be possibly taking that space from what I've seen so far in the SNFL. Nikki, you've seen more of the SNFL than most of us have. Who would you be recommending should be coming up? I would, it's really tough on Lions, but if you're going to drop Douglas, you need a bit more of that inside mid with speed, unfortunately, and I would say Cam Ellis-Yolman would then be the one that you would bring in. Um, Lions is stiff to get dropped and, and miss out. But Greenwood has been playing through the midfield a little bit more the last couple of games. We've started to throw him in there. He just has that ability to make space around himself. That's the basketball background. I've noticed. Oh yeah. I've noticed coaching juniors that the kids that play basketball as well, they just seem to have an extra moment. It's quite uncanny. Very good point. I've known all the basketballers. They've got that. They have the ability to make space and time. And unlike Henderson, he goes in hard. Hello. He he is actually willing to tackle and hit and get the body in, which is something Henderson doesn't do. You said Henderson. You like Henderson? No, no, no. no. She said unlike Henderson. Unlike. <laughs> Sorry. I do not like Henderson. I liked him for the first half of the Westies game because all of a sudden there was an AFL footballer on our team that we'd never seen before. And then he got the hit and he turned into the Henderson that we've known for the last, oh, how many years? Gotcha. <laughs> player that I'd like to see something of, though, is, uh, is Harry Wick. He looked to be uh, probably our best player or one of the best players against North Adelaide now. Yeah, he was. Last hit out and uh, played in the midfield and was very, very good. And I, I saw a – I didn't see all of the game, but I saw um, uh, probably you know two and a half quarters of it. And uh, just to my eye, looked to be in a very, very good nick and uh, just looks more and more like an AFL footballer to me. Is he a but, guy with a very good left leg? Yes. He hasn't used it this year in the SNFL. He has not used the um, that big kick we know he's got. He's done some beautiful passes, but they've all been a lot shorter than we know he can get a lot more distance. But he's kind of been holding off on it, which I've found a bit interesting. So I think... He's actually being coached to a plan that they're working on getting him through the midfield, teaching him how to play midfield or our style of midfield. And so 
he's going for those what well, we would consider for him shorter kicks. But he does have a beautiful left leg, and he's not bad on the right either. Well, what's his pace like? Uh, how does he cover the ground? He's pretty good. Um, he's still very slight. So I would say that that North Adelaide game is the best I've seen him play in the midfield. Um, Macca, he, uh, he looked a sorry. little lost the first couple. Macca, sorry to interrupt. Mackie, just to give you an idea, I reckon, Macca, think Luke Power. Remember the remember the uh, the old Brisbane Lions player? Very good player. Yeah, I agree with that. That that's a yeah, good one, Pete. Well, he was a very tough player, Luke Power, and he was going very hard for the ball, but he also had the ability to make the spaces as well. Yep, yeah, I reckon Harry definitely has that ability, and he he kind of seems to know where the goals are, but he's very team orientated. That's that's what I've taken out of the way that he's playing. Um, in the midfield so far this season. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Lions come in for uh, Scott Thompson, actually. Like-for-like player. Tommy needs a rest. Yeah. Uh, um, Lions deserves a run. Um, I don't know whether you'd listen on Sunday, but uh, I floated the uh, harebrained idea of um, running Crouch and... Um... Oh, who was it, Maka? Crouch and... Um... I've forgotten who it was out of the forward line. Who are we talking okay. about, Maka? You've got me, Pete. I know you had me stunned when you were talking about Crouch in the forward line. That was the thing that I, I, I couldn't see myself because I don't, I just don't think that he would give that forward line pressure. That oh, Charlie Cameron was that. That's right, Cameron. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, but, but I can't see that working because Cameron gives. Cameron is fantastic the way he covers the ground and I'd hate be anywhere near him and Eddie Betts and have the ball and, them, and have them on your tail. But I don't think that Brad Crouch could catch them like that. No, but I think swapping in the forward lines, I think, gives Brad more of an opportunity to come up to the AFL speed. Um, I don't want to drop him, but he's a liability as a, as a 70% in the midfield type player at the moment. We've played him up forward before. How did he go? It wasn't too bad. I don't think there was. It was pretty early on. He, he was. We were rotating him down there a little bit. It wasn't like big minutes, but we have played him up forward. He's a clever player, so he manages to make space. Um, but he's, he's okay. He wasn't good last week, but he was a lot better than he was against the Western Bulldogs. No, he wasn't. He was shit. He was shit. Sorry. Just on Brad Crouch. Oh, yeah, um, he was still crap. Just on Brad Crouch, though, on Channel 7 tonight, they were saying that um, Brad Crouch is struggling with the concept that he's the one that's supposed to replace Dangerfield. And for this reason, and I don't know how why this logic follows, but for this reason, he's being circled by Victorian talent scouts trying to recruit him. Yeah, whatever. No, it's not going to happen. He hates Melbourne. He's a country boy. And he ha- he's not a Dangerfield replacement. No. Danger Dangerfield was a you know 150 plus player, um, you know elite probably top five midfielder in the comp. Brad Crouch is just starting his career, so whoever's coming coming on with that rubbish deserves a whack. I mean, and this is where we need Douglas and Thompson and and our senior blokes to be standing up and taking a bit of the heat off Brad because I do think that Brad and Matt have had a bit 
too much focus on them as as go-to players. Hence my reasoning that uh, uh, you know in in order to give Brad a bit more uh, AFL exposure, but to to limit his uh, exposure in the middle, uh, and given that Charlie showed such good endeavour when he played further up the ground, uh, the two of them swapping back and forth through the forward and and midfield, I think, has some merit, especially against a team like Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah, but that shows how light we are in the midfield, though, because you've got the Crouch brothers. uh, They're only amateurs, really, in, in terms of how long they've been in the game, and yet we were expecting them to be key players for us, rather than say if you take for Geelong, they have their hard nuts in the centre and the young blokes come in as a support, whereas we're expecting these young blokes to be the players rather than uh, support players. And that just shows we don't have the depth in the midfield and we've got to pinch a good midfielder from another club at the end of this year. For me, me, that's where Douglas is falling down. Douglas should be there helping them out and he has been missing for too many games this year. I reckon you're just letting Brad Crouch off the hook there, and uh, really, because he's he's a guy who's you know had 40 possession games against uh, against Hawthorne in big games, and 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 you know in the SNFL he just uh, he, he's carved up games you know consistently when he comes back from um, in, you know he has come back from injury he's got big numbers in the SNFL and he got big numbers in the SNFL to get back into his side, and this is uh, you know last night was his second game back. Uh, sorry. You know, 14 possessions, it stinks. It's not good enough. And I don't know what's in his head. I don't know whether his head's elsewhere or, or whether he just thinks he's better than what he actually is. But to, to my way of thinking, you know, um, just not, not good enough. I mean, even even against uh, the Kangaroos in, his, in that first game of the season, he, I think he got 20-odd possessions or something like that. Last two games have been unacceptable from Brad Crouch. And I reckon to, to, to say now that he, um, you know, he's only a young player and we can't expect much when he's already shown previously, that he can absolutely no, no. dominate games. No, 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 I, I no, no, no. Not no, no, disagree with you, Pete, and I'll tell you why. Those high-position AFL games that he's had in the past, we've had Dangerfield in the team, right? You cannot judge Brad Crouch on past games. He was the third third or fourth string through the midfield. We had Dangerfield Sloan run through the midfield. We had a younger Scott Thompson. Um, we had a Dougie in better form. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, Um but coming back from that, from basically 12 months out of football into a completely different midfield without one of the most dynamic players in the league, I think that the guy's only played 30-odd games or whatever it is, not even. Um, I, I think your expectations there, given our current midfield structure, are a little bit high. Yeah, did, you see, did you see his kicking on Friday night? Yeah, absolutely. But he would normally be on the receiving... His kicking was... Diabolical. Yeah, Pete, I get it. Uh, but the guy used to be on the end of a danger field, bullish run through the pack and then handball out. Now he's he's a he's a twenty uh, odd pl- game player who's expected to go and get his own ball. He's clearly not pace yet after having a year out. And I think I, I agree we need more output from him, but he's he's not he's not going to give you elite numbers. At this stage, maybe towards the end of the season when he's got run back in his legs, but not at this stage. Look yeah, at mean, Gary. Look, look at Gary Ablett after having time out of the game. He's he's mortal at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you, Phoenix. Yeah, I think you, you summed it up beautifully, mate. No, I reckon, I reckon you're soft on him, Phoenix. 
I reckon you're soft on him, and I, I just, um, I, I accept all that you're saying, um, but I, I've got a view that I just think that, um, you know, thing, thing, yeah, it worries me things like, you know, before the, uh, you know, the NAB Cup is out on the on the grog, and I just reckon he, you know, I don't know, I just don't think that the attitude is right, and I, yeah, I don't know, I think he owes this club a lot, uh, and uh, he's just nowhere near where he needs to be. Yeah, look, he owes us plenty, Pete. I agree with you. But I think when Phoenix says it's going to take a few weeks before we get it. Yeah, fair enough. And there's one other you guys have not considered through the midfield. Miller. Miller. No, he's too light. Too light. Not ready. He's played SNFL against Big Body. Oh, it's it's chalk and cheese. I I know it is different, but he was on the wing a couple of times. And he was in kind of once it wasn't a centre bounce, but it was still he was working through those midfield rotations, and he didn't do too badly. Yeah, but um, I was watching his setup. Different though, Nicky, when you're in the middle, having been a midfielder, when you're playing in the middle with bodies all around you, and they come, yeah. from, they come at you from all angles, and they come at you very, very hard. It's too much to ask of him at this stage. He will develop into that in time, but let, let's give the boy a chance to. Uh, into, settle into AFL footy in a he can use the skills he's got at speed and, and run at this stage rather than having to fight for it in the middle. But that's We've why got I've a... got against Gold Coast, that could be an option of just giving him some run through there. Well, he can certainly have a cameo through there. But yeah. it, we need, we've had players on our list now for years that are, that are proven ball winners um CY proved that he was up to the yep. up to the task early last season and for whatever reason he fell by the wayside we need to play these guys or get rid of them it's one of the two they've been on the list now for too long Jared Lyons is another one you know play him or get rid of him you can't keep hanging on to these second stringers for 5 6 7 years um and I I agree with you Maka whoever says we don't need locking new in our midfield is absolutely kidding themselves. We really need him. No, we, we must. We must try. And look, he, the, the, all the noises are that he wants home. But Port Adelaide Castle—they're right up to their, their neck in uh, their player payment. So we do have the space. We've got the capacity, and we have the need. So we should be really after him and make sure we get him. Yep, it's imperative. If there's one off off season target. It has to be Lockie Neal above anyone else. And he has pace. I think they, um, I'm not sure that they can trade out their first, did I read somewhere they couldn't trade out their first rounder again this year? Port, yeah, no. They can't. So I don't reckon they, uh, they apart from just their salary cap macro, they're just not going to have the currency to trade for him unless they want to chuck a player over there. Are you talking about Port Adelaide? Yeah. I don't think the power will come into it because uh, they they haven't got the money. And as you, uh, I didn't realise that rule, but yeah, uh, if that's if that's the rules, well, they obviously can't. And, and now you're saying that uh, that that's coming back to me that, that is correct. Um, so really, he's got. If he wants to come home, it's out of, even though he is a port supporter, but he'll grow out of that bad habit. Yeah, and hilariously to me with Port is I'm quite happy for them to have a first round draft pick because. They're so good at them. I'd I'd be uh, trading a pick and Josh Jen- Jenkins for Lockie Neal. Josh, Josh Jenkins goes nowhere. He won't be going anywhere. He's not worth a pinch of shit, Macca. 
you're a hard man. No, he's not. He's not. He is not the answer. He, he, he is one of those players that will just tantalise you and he'll have a couple of good games and all the rest of it and he'll kick his 40 goals and all the rest of it. Answer me this. If you put um, Drew Petrie, Jared Waite, um, I don't know, other people and Josh Jenkins in a room, where would Josh Jenkins rank in terms of tall key forwards? He, he's, not in the, he's not in the top, I don't know, half a dozen in the league in my opinion. I think you'd find that he probably is because there's not that many forwards around. And that's why no, those not. other clubs are chasing him. No, he's, he's, he's not. He, he he plays the role of a small forward, Macca. He'll, he'll take one or two marks a game, but by and large, he plays as a small forward. We've got Mitchie McGovern to, to play that role. We've got a bloke in the two, Harry, twos, Harry Deere, who can certainly come on and provide us something as a key forward. We've got a couple of other uh, options in the twos as key forwards. We've got Troy Menzel sitting in the, in the background there who's also a forward. Josh Jenkins is expendable, and what a Frio need. They need a bloody forward. And if we want them to trade with us, then he's the player that we need to get rid of. I know it'll never happen, but I've never rated Jenkins, even when he kicks eight bloody goals all out the back. Phoenix, I've never rated him. Frio need picks because they're going to want certain players. They also need a tall forward. Yes, but Jenkins isn't the one they want. They want yeah. a younger tall forward. We're, that's we're, what they've uh, been after. Yeah, I, but think that's have... the, I think that's the bottom line, Nicky, is that the problem is, is that they're not going to want to let someone go at any kind of cost for Josh Jenkins because at the end of the day, you're going to get three, maybe four years out of him. So he's not – they're rebuilding. He's not someone you can build a team around. So whilst I, you know, I agree, Phoenix, that we need to get Lockie back, uh, and I've been a flag waver for that um, for a number of months, I think. Um, I'm not sure that Josh is the one that's going to get in. I think that realistically a first-rounder should get it done. Uh, but anyway, um, that will play out um, as the uh, as the season goes on and we uh, and we hit trade week. But um, hopefully, um, as we just move towards the, the close of the show, um, uh, hopefully we uh, I think we'll get a, a pretty comfortable win on, on Saturday. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And um, I say that with no disrespect to Gold Coast, but realistically they've been, they've been, they've been ravaged. And uh, you know, I'm full of sympathy for them, but we need to go up there and um, just have a have a good confidence uh, boosting and percentage building win, um, and get ourselves ready for uh, for GWS the next week. Does anybody uh, have any different thought to that? The well, only difference is the margin. I think I'd like us to win by at least ten. I've got no sympathy for anybody else. And uh, you know, if they we've had uh, periods when we've had injuries, and uh, that's the way the game's played. And unfortunately, it's their turn. But um, no sympathies, crush them. Uh, they've never beaten us, and I'd be very disappointed if we did win win by at least ten. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Macker. I think a ten goal plus win is imperative. Um, and just a left field name, I know he's probably going back to Melbourne. But uh, if Neil is off the table, then I'd be throwing everything at Dion Prestia because I know he wants out as well. And he's a gun. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, please now. I don't think you get too many arguments there, Phoenix. All right, look, um, thanks, everybody. We just hit the the end of the show, so uh, I appreciate uh, everybody rolling up tonight. Macca, uh, Phoenix, and Phoenix, as always, thanks for your technical support. And, Nikki, hope everybody has enjoyed the show. Um, and uh, I guess we'll catch you all in the next uh, edition of the Crowcast. 
Yep, and uh, a shout-out to our boys at the Crowbar um, who are now on the Crowcast um, show list. On They uh, generally post their podcasts on Monday night, uh, so good to have them on board. And also, I'm sure everyone here will join me in sending our thoughts and best wishes to Jared Ruffhead. Terrible news today um, about his um, his prognosis or his uh, diagnosis of uh, melanoma again. Uh, so hopefully he gets uh, he gets back on uh, on on deck pretty quick. Hundred percent agree. Yep. Yeah. No, All the best anymore. to him and his family. Absolutely. Um, thanks very much for that, Phoenix. Much appreciated. All right, uh, that uh, wraps us up for another Tuesday Night Live. Thanks very much for joining us and we'll catch you the next time around. Night all. Bye. See you guys.